This is the Get Out of Here Baldy Podcast, episode 56, September 6th, 2023. This week's Baldy of the Week is James Janard. He is an American designer, businessman, and founder of Oakley Inc., an eyewear and apparel company and the Red Digital Cinema Camera Company. National Day celebration and this day in history, uh, September 5th, 2023, is called Telephone Tuesday. And it's the Tuesday that comes after the Labor Day weekend. Thinking about all of the phone calls and all of the voice messages that are missed and all of the work that is awaiting us, you, as you get back into the office after taking Labor Day off. We talk about the message at Wyatt Park Christian Church last Sunday on extravagant generosity and the message by Pastor Aaron at Harvest Evangelical Free Church in Branson on Exodus chapter 1 talking about the abundance in Egypt. Thanks for joining us today, friends. And now, let's go get this bread. They're Ben and Aaron, and they love sharing about their love for Jesus and food covered in cheeses. Weird news, history, sports regaled from a generation raised playing Oregon Trail. National celebrations almost every day. There's only one thing I have to say. Don't you point or stare at their lack of hair. Yes, they're follically challenged. So sing along with the biblical Baldy Ballad. Get out of here, Baldy. Get out of here, Baldy. If you don't know what I mean, read 2 Kings chapter 2. Verse 23, get out of here, Baldy. Get out of here, Baldy. If you don't know what I mean, if you don't know what I mean, come and take a listen to your two bald kings. What's up, Baldy buddies? And welcome to episode 56 of the Get Out of Here Baldy podcast. I'm your host, Aaron Michaud. I'm joined by, as always, pastor, scholar, and just a generally good guy, Pastor Ben Hitsfield. Brother, how are you doing? I appreciate that. I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Um, Life is good. We are, um, you know, in in the swing of things. Um, Preschool just started up at Wyatt Park this morning, so I uh, worked with Cindy and Tanya to set up a coffee table with breakfast snacks for the parents and welcome the kids as they walked in. So that was nice. It was fun. It was good to kind of have some of those conversations. And, and you know, I mean, we are one day away from Chiefs football. We are. Yes. We got some unfortunate news, though, yesterday. What about Kelsey? Is that? Is that yeah, the hyperextended oh. knee. Yikes. So I, yeah. I think it was no tear or anything. So I don't. Gosh. I doubt he'll play tomorrow. But hopefully, yeah. it's just a week long thing. Hopefully, yeah. Is Chiefs fever just as strong down there? I mean, do you, do you sense it? Do you see it? Is it? Uh, yes. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Oh. I, I'm probably not quite as strong. Yeah. I think St. Joe's got like a special little thing when you got trading camp. Yeah, in your that's backyard. true. That's true. There's we kind of take a little ownership of it. Yeah. That's true. Uh, but yeah, it is, it is certainly, you can, you, people are getting excited Good. and I'm sure, nice. I'm sure on Sunday it'll, there'll be a little more red. Yeah. 
Yeah, absolutely. No, it's gonna be fun. Looking, I'm gonna wear my jersey on Sunday. I still like. I remember that first sun, uh, Sunday at Wyatt Park, <laughs> like after football season started. Yeah, and it was such a reminder that I was no longer in the Pacific Northwest. Yes, right. It's like seeing all that red and gold, <laughs> rather than that navy and lime green. I was like, oh, this is. I'm amongst my people. <laughs> nice. I love it. <laughs> Fantastic. So, uh, so yeah. Hopefully, we yeah. will win that opener here. But yeah, I got to find out if anybody's doing anything for the game. If you're, uh, yeah. A Branson person, Reach and out you're to listening Aaron. to this, yeah, and you're having good grilled food or something, and <laughs> wanted to invite your pastor over. That's right. Um, feel free. <laughs> but, Very charitable thing to do. That's right. Our uh, baldy of the week this week. Uh, I don't even know. I don't know. There's no rhyme or reason to why I did this. I okay. just it made me feel a little nostalgic. But it's James uh, Janner, and he is an American designer and businessman, founder of. Oakley Incorporated. Uh, it's a now an eyewear and apparel company. Um, and he also uh, owns the Red Digital Cinema Camera Company, which I actually think he sold Oakley. And now he does the Red Cameras, which are, I think, quality cameras from, I mean, I'm not deep into that field, hmm. but yeah, uh, it's interesting yeah. that he got into that. But he was born in LA, son of a pharmacist, and he was actually going to USC uh, for uh, the School of Pharmacy there, but he dropped out. Uh, to travel the southwestern U.S. on a motorcycle, because why not? Um, and so in 75, as he's traveling around on motorcycle, he started selling motorcycle parts out of his car uh, at motocross events, um, and he named his company after his dog, Oakley. And so soon after that, he began developing his own products, like uh, custom handle uh, handlebar grips um, con- that, that conform to the shape of your hand, motorcycle goggles, ski goggles, sunglasses, that sort of thing. And uh, he t- it, the company took off when a bicycle racer, Greg LeMond, who was probably one of the most famous cyclists before um, Lance Armstrong, mm, I think mm-hmm. that's someone we think of, but Greg LeMond. So that raised the company's profile and uh, ended up, he ended up, the business took off so much that in 2007, he sold it for $2.1 billion wow. um, to an Italian company. Um and so he went on to do the uh, red cameras and all that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. But I just, I, his story is interesting because it's like you have a guy who's, again, kind of following in dad's footsteps, but then I guess just wasn't feeling it and decided to go on a motorcycle trip. And that turned into a $2.1 billion company named after his dog. What, what about that story is just lovely to you? It seems to be the story of a lot of people. I think very few people set out to invent something or start a company or sell a product where they have a clear vision of what they want to do and then they start from point A and they get to point B and it's just a clean process from beginning to end. I think some of the most amazing things that have been invented have been through a winding path of uh, discovery and uh, the people who invent those things, their, their life story really kind of... Uh, parallels their company and their creations. You know, they're they're kind of throwing all sorts of darts at the wall to see what sticks, and um, and so finally, you know, usually one of those things is going to stick when someone is that dedicated and that passionate, that creative. Um, yeah, it's. I mean, you think about going from motorcycle parts to you know goggles and glasses. Um, it's it's a story that I think a lot of people hope someday that they can 
kind of back their way into (laughs) some sort of thing like that. So, but, uh, and I, I do have to say James has a fantastic bald head. And when, and especially wearing the Oakleys, I think Oakleys look best on bald people. I'm just gonna throw that Dude, out there. I, they, I think you might be onto something. <laughs> I mean, it highlights the dome in a very special way. Yeah, yeah. You just look. I mean, you look like don't mess, don't mess with me. Like if you're wearing Oakleys and and you've got a clean bald head, it's like uh, bouncer type of you know like secret. It's it's amazing. It's great. So now Oakley's, I mean, they're still like a big deal, but I mean, I think yeah. Patrick Mahomes sports like a certain <laughs> style nowadays. Yeah. As, as, uh, so they're still huge. Yeah. But I remember like, I, th- I feel like when we were probably in high school, mm-hmm. it was like starting to peak to where he would sell it in 2007 for 2.1 billion. So again, mm-hmm. we're graduating uh, around the turn of the millennia, a little after. And so Oakley's were like becoming such a huge deal. Now, did you have a pair growing up? No, I only I, I can only wish um, because I've always had glasses and I was never able to get contacts in. Um, the only time I would wear sunglasses was if I didn't have to drive a car. <laughs> Obviously, because I, you know, can't see enough to. I mean, I I could if if need be. I could drive without my glasses on, but I'd have to go on a very familiar route. You know, so uh, no, I wish. And so I always got like the cheapest sunglasses because I hardly ever actually got to wear them. So mm. very sad for me. <laughs> did did you did you have Oakleys? I actually had a couple of prescription pairs. Oh, of, nice! Of I guess I could have done glasses. that. It just would have been so expensive, man. I'm sure it they, was. Well, I'm sure they were. <laughs> um, and like, God bless. I had a mom who liked to spoil me. Nice. Um, Thanks, mom. Yeah. So I had the ones that were kind of like. They weren't round, but okay. they were kind of those like small ovals. Oh yes, and the, the metal frame, but they had like the the oh. uh, side legs that uh, kicked out a little bit. And <laughs> uh, I forget what I, I was trying to look up what the actual like model of uh, of the frame was. Okay, um, but I had a, I think it was called the E wire. That's what it was called, the E wire frame. <laughs> And so I had a pair of those, and then when they did the bigger plastic ones, I had like these. Uh, uh, Oh, not, not like a lime green, but they were like a uh, a bright forest green almost. Okay. Okay. Um, and that was my second pair later on when that nice. style came around. Because like it was so funny. Like I'm I'm I mean my dad's uh, French, but my mom's got some Irish blood in her. And mm. for some reason in high school, like I felt like the Irish blood was the cool part. Yeah, so I, play, I played right. that up. Yeah, exactly. Uh, way more. Everybody wants to be Irish, man. I, mean, I guess so. Yeah. You know, so I don't know if it was. Uh, Irish people, well, French drink heavily too. It's just a little different. Like, yeah. um, but I, I don't know if it was that or like what, or the Irish temper or what it was, but that was like a point of pride. So those were my green Oakleys. Um, nice. because that's I was great. trying to highlight my Irish heritage. Or something. <laughs> that's great. I, I seriously it. don't know what went through my head. Most of my high school career. Yeah. I hear you know that I can, I've got some All questionable fashion issues choices. manifested themselves in the purchase of Oakley's. That's, that's <laughs> I <suppose>. guess so. <laughs> anyway, that's awesome. So Oakley's, I love, yeah, it'd be interesting. I think I, for me, that when I think of Oakley's today, I really do think of Mahomes wearing those yeah. almost ski goggles. They are great. That he sports. Yes, and I'm trying to think. Um, Oh, Deion Sanders. I don't know what glasses he was wearing on the sideline. If those were Oakley's, those were dude, the reflective surface on those was it was elite. 
It, it, I mean, dude, Deion Sanders looked like a boss last Saturday on the sideline for their big win against TCU. So if that if those were Oakleys, that was a great. I think they I think they might have been. My gosh. Oh, uh, dude! Oh, there's like websites like exploring Dion's uh, sunglass collection. <laughs> okay, so he's he, he does have Oakleys, but he's okay. got a bunch of other ones too. So I don't uh, know if those were. I'll be, for, I'll that be or curious not, to know. I'll I'll do some I'll do some digging in. Dude, that was a that was a huge game too. Yeah, I mean, I'll tell you what, Colorado, like the Big Twelve is like goodbye Texas. We don't need you anymore. We're we're good with Colorado. <laughs> <laughs> way more exciting football than than texas and and ou so <laughs> uh, too, i might have we'll have to figure out a way to work this conversation into an, another episode because i just it's interesting to see that changing landscape uh and how, like how yeah. celebrity coach might become like yeah. a oh yeah almost a necessity for a college program yeah absolutely yep it'll be fascinating yep and he's and it but. doesn't seem like he's a gimmick either so that's We'll no, see how it goes. No, no, his yeah, his son threw for five hundred yards. That's awesome. Five hundred and ten. Yeah. That's yeah. crazy. Anyway, so Bobby <laughs> and James, thanks for making us look good. That's right. Us bald guys yeah. looking stylish. That's right. And that's right. All these other people trying to wear your glasses with with hair, it just it doesn't work. Doesn't work. Yep. Try again. Thanks, James. <laughs> our, our national celebration. Uh, yeah, I'm actually highlighting something that happened yesterday because we had some things come up yesterday. Yeah. Um, but yeah. September 5th was Telephone Tuesday. <laughs> okay. So, you know, you picture picture yourself coming into the office after a long weekend, right? You had that nice, relaxing three yeah, days. Right. And you, you start checking the phone only to find that the voicemails are just bursting. Hmm. Um but guess what? That's I guess September fifth is notorious, uh, or the Tuesday after Tuesday uh, after Labor mm-hmm. Day. So it's a couple of things. Uh, usually the three day weekend, uh, but also because like schools and different things are kicking up in the fall, that there are like fifty percent more calls on the Tuesday after Labor Day than in any other time of the year. Yeah. Um, and so it's really like for for those people who have to do call centers or, again, our office administrators yeah. feel sorry for Pam today um, <laughs> and, and Tori. Um, it's the equivalent of Black Friday or Cyber Monday um, <laughs> when you're fielding phone calls. Nice. Uh, but this just in general got me thinking um, of, of professions, and I think ours is included in this, where yeah. three-day weekends are kind of a double-edged sword. Yeah. Yeah, because right? it's like yeah, you get the excess, but there's actually the amount of work doesn't change. Mm-hmm. Nope. <laughs> and so I thought maybe we talk about like, do you have strategies to like embrace the three day weekend so that you don't feel overwhelmed and frustrated the rest of the week? I wish I had a strategy. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think I guess my strategy is just to enjoy that day and then just suck it up the rest of the week whatever comes and thankfully this week hasn't been too bad like even i came in on tuesday and it was everybody's you know everybody's back in the office and and usually the the finance team is counting money on mondays but they had to switch it over to tuesday and so when i got into the office on tuesday i asked um Pam, how things were going, and she said, "Well, surprisingly, it was it was kind of quiet." But yeah, you know, um, it, really for for me, it's on every week is so different. Uh, mm. Even though I have, I try to keep 
a schedule where at least I take this day off. You know, you just take Mondays off and stuff like that. But uh, you throw in a funeral and you throw in maybe a wedding preparation or um, meetings that don't always happen. And you just, to me, you know, and I'm sure the same is for you. You've been in ministry long enough that when you get some time off during a week and you're able to, then you kind of have to just take that time off knowing that, you know what, um, it, it's going to, it's all going to even out at some point. And so that's kind of in my head, it's all going to even out. So, um, and we're in the kind of profession that the work that you do is going to show up and people will know <laughs> whether you're putting in the work or not. So, um, and it, whether you're doing a, a typical eight to five or nine to five or whatever, um, that's what's kind of unique about pastoral ministry. Yeah, it, it is nice that, that we've got flexibility uh, to where yeah you can when things those seasons hit you can uh, where you've put in way too many hours probably that there's yeah. there's times where you can probably like I said take an extra yeah few to take a breather right and that's like for me like I actually came in on I, I well I meet with somebody on Mondays and so we met anyway yeah and so I came in uh, a little early and just got some stuff done to get a jump start on the week yeah um, hopefully that didn't make my wife mad. Um, <laughs> Because that's the, the other catch, right? Yeah, sure. Um, is making sure you're not uh, doing too much. And then I it's usually true. end up doing like, uh, usually in the mornings or the evenings rather than, yeah. you know, watch an episode of a show that I'm I'm kind of into. I'll maybe take some time to write mm. a sermon yeah. or get a Bible study in right. during those seasons. That's And so just, and I, I should probably do that more regularly anyway, but sure. it's like those are times that you can kind of adjust to yep. doing some Again, some of the more cerebral work that we have to do or the study work yeah. can really happen yeah. anytime, anywhere if you carve out the space for it. Uh, past, you know, we have a, a policy here at the church that if a holiday falls on your day off, uh, to go ahead and, and take another day off, uh, you know, to because so so Cindy told me uh, this past week since Labor Day was on Monday and I take Mondays off she said well make sure you go ahead and and take another day off you know and she and and so I, I appreciate her for for saying that and kind of putting that on me so I'm gonna take Thursday off but uh, do you do you, what day do you usually take off I mean this is probably good for folks in, in your congregation to know um, yeah so usually I try to do um, Friday Saturday okay um, yeah and then Friday is a little more flex. So I'll probably do a few things like, sure. but the kids are in school. So Sarah and I usually get some time together to do a date or something yeah. uh, during that. But then if she's, she's resting up or something like I'll probably again, pull out um, and type up some sermon sure. or some study stuff. Um, and so that one's kind of more of a flex day where I'll do a little light stuff. And then sure. yes, Saturday, I usually don't do much at all, which yeah. is great. Yeah. Um, hmm. But I do that. And then, um, yeah, the rest of the week is like, it's, it's weird. So I'm, I've got here. I'm really like, there's not, there's not a lot of people around a lot of the time. So, yeah, um, sure. I've been incredibly productive. <laughs> yeah, you, you miss some of the relational stuff. So I found yeah. myself doing, trying to do more evening things or yeah. getting over to people's places on like a Sunday afternoon sure. and stuff. Um, more than I've done in the past, just because there's not as yeah. much. There's not like one of the things I loved about Wyatt Park was traffic. Sure, <laughs> like it, you got to like you didn't have to work hard, right, to yeah. network with a lot of the congregation. That's true. They were coming, they were coming in. Yeah, yeah, um, that's true. 
and it was great. I remember people would always feel bad about coming and sitting down and yeah, and like, uh-huh. oh, am I interrupting you? I'm like, no, this is great. No, like, I love it. Take a seat. Um, yeah. And so I, I'm finding I have to get outside office hour outside sure. of office hours to do that that part of right, pastoral work, right. which is the most important. Sure. And, and so I, yeah. I don't know if I had thought about that as much when I was there about how neat that kind of was yeah how much traffic came yeah through. yeah i mean all bible studies and meetings and just people randomly dropping in to drop you know drop something off of the church or just to say hi yeah, yeah you're right yeah probably out of all the churches i've been to uh this is the most uh active as far as just people yeah. stopping in throughout the week so yeah it certainly is is nice i, I enjoy that but so I got a question since you stole those nice chairs um, out of my office. Yes, uh, when I left, those are nice chairs. Have, have, like, do you do you have you spent some nice time with people on those? Yeah. So I mean, I've had a number of folks, you know, stop in and and sit in there, and uh, they get used during the staff meeting as well. And it kind of adds a little bit of legitimacy to the office space. You know, it makes people. And I mean that 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 old couch that was in there, I felt so bad. I always had to tell people it sits pretty low. And so if you have a hard time getting up from furniture, I'm going to have to help you up from this, you know. You're going to have to get a lift. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, well, it was funny. So I, I took that out of the office and put it up on the third floor. And uh, thankfully, Tanya was able to find uh, a family that was able to use it. So within like two that's or three fantastic. weeks, yeah, it's it's found a new home. So Everybody wins. Yep, that's it. Everybody wins. Everybody wins. Now, you haven't taken a nap in those yet, have you? Not yet. But the, I mean, okay. the, the day is going to come. I mean, yeah. there's going to come a time where I'm going to have a headache or something in the, in the afternoon, and I'm just going to have to turn off the lights for a little bit so now yeah did, i mean did you find i mean there were times after lunches and stuff you know i mean we were all kind of sluggishly getting back to the office we were able to find a little, little quiet time in, in the chairs at all or oh yeah I, well i told i told myself i was reading <laughs> nice. yeah. and you can start off reading and then just you know just drift off nod, yeah. yeah sure that, that might have happened once nice. or twice <laughs> that's great anyway it. so telephone tuesday so if you're overwhelmed on tuesday well yeah. i hope you the rest of your week goes a little more smoothly. That's right. Um, Praying for it. And hopefully next week is a little <laughs> a little uh, smoother yes. than this one. Yes. Now, you guys finished up uh, the training camp series this week. And we I did. think uh, Cindy was uh, preaching on extravagant generosity. Is yeah. That, am I right on extravagant that? Extravagant generosity. Uh, yep. Would you want to give us some highlights of things that just stuck out uh, to you from her message? One of the things that... I liked that she said she alluded to growing into being extravagant, generous people, Mm. you know, we, and I, this is probably true for everything that when we talk about discipleship and, um, our sanctification, you know, becoming more like Jesus, it is a, uh, day by day, um, it's it's a slow process, and and so I appreciated what she said. Something about you know she had talked about tithing, and the ten percent, the Old Testament ten percent. You know when you brought your your tenth of your your crops and um, things like that. She had mentioned something along the lines of you know if you are not able to give your ten percent, you know this isn't a message to make you feel bad, but it's an opportunity for you to see where can you begin. And, and I've heard that principle before. Instead of beating people up 
over the head because really at the end of the day, that was an Old Testament uh, law, you know, and so we move into the New Testament, and then and the the tithing law it then all of a sudden becomes more of a we ought to be generous with what we have, and there's not necessarily a number that's attached to it, you know, and so the idea in inviting people to be extravagantly generous is to don't feel like you have to start off um, at the point where you're not sure if you're going to be able to to make ends meet, but start somewhere. You know, um, get in the habit, make it a routine thing, and if you have to start it at maybe a five percent, then start there, and then uh, maybe the next year move on up to six percent or whatever whatever it takes. And I think it, when talking about g- extravagant generosity, it's good to also remember that our tithe to God uh, can be money, but it can also be. I know people who donate. Um, I mean, I, I'm, this congregation is extremely generous. I would imagine down there in Branson, Harvest Free, you're finding out how generous the people are there. You know, and any church you, you're in, it's amazing when you see how much people give that's not just a check. You know, sure. time and donations and uh, their, um, their, just their, their talents, all of those things mm-hmm. together. And so I, I really try to keep the bigger picture in mind as, as when I think about what people are giving, that we can't just look at the financial side of it to say, well, this person's sure. not a faithful tither if they're not given 10% because there's probably other areas, other things that they're giving to the church that in the end is just as valuable as, as their money. Um, Amen. So, well, it's funny. I I spent I've spent a lot of time deconstructing the tithe for people. Yeah. Because um, there's actually three tithes in the yes, Old Testament. Right. Um, yes, that's right. Which is part of. And uh, so there's kind of a again your your crops and your animals. And yeah. I always find it interesting that it was the it was the things that had to do with the land that the people of Israel were in. Yes. So it wasn't even necessarily everything. Right. Uh, it was associated like as understanding that God gave us this land and yep. it's our tribute to a, a, a really a king for for keeping us in the land. Absolutely. Typically, your ties went to the king for basically so that he could keep a standing army. Yeah. In the same way, but what they were acknowledging, rather than give this to a king, we're giving it to God, who is the one who protects us from our enemies. That's good. Um, and then there was one that was taken every three years yes. uh, for the for the poor. Yep. Um, and so it was, I mean, I, you can do the math on that, but um, it was only taken in the third and the sixth year of the mm. uh, Levitical si- or sabbatical cycle. Se- is that um, se- seven year cycle? Is that it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, and so in year three and three, three, six, there was an additional tithe for the poor. Yeah. So it was just, you took up grain so that the poor people could eat. eat yeah. It was like kind of their social security, if you will. Right. Um, and then there was one that was a tithe for the festival tithe. Yes. Like it was. That's the best. <laughs> a tithe for one giant party a yeah, year. I love Can you it. imagine if we blew 10%? <laughs> nice. That's great. That's of people's money on one gigantic. F- that would be an epic party. Man. It would be. You could have uh, some fun with that. But all that to say, like, yeah. I, I do think that that's just, it's something that I think it's been convenient for preachers to like yeah. beat people with. Sure. Um, Cause again, I think the statistics, 
statistics show what is it like two and a half percent the average giving uh, from a Christian. Sure, sure. Um, yeah. And I, I think it's always kind of been like God gave these things that are, hey, here's some things that are important to me. Yeah. Right. Taking right. care of uh, the people that serve you in the, in the tabernacle. Yeah. yeah. Hey, caring for the poor, extravagantly celebrating who I am. These yeah. are things that I think by looking at the ties that exist, you could say, oh, these are our priorities God has. So let's let that capture our imagination. But I think it's always been do yeah. what the Lord tells you to do. Yeah. And yeah. What he tells you to give. Absolutely. Um, yeah. And that, I think that's going to be different for everybody and depending on the seasons, depending sure. what the Lord's put in your hands. Yeah. Um, but the key is, I think, like you said, to live with an open hand yeah. um, and let, and let that, the blessing mm-hmm. of God spill over into the life of others. Absolutely. And, and yeah, and that's something that it doesn't, it, it happens as we just allow the Holy Spirit to, to do his work. It's always a work of, of opening up our heart more and more to, to Jesus. And, um, and anything that we give is just a, a response of gratitude. And it's, mm. it's, it's not a, a matter of giving out of guilt, but it's just, man, I'm so thankful. God has been so good to me. And so I can't help but but to give in the many ways that we do. And another thing, you know, we we there's a lot of people that they give to their church and they give to they have a nonprofit or two that they give to and they give to community organizations and things like that. And so if you add all of that up, there's you know, people are giving well over 10% of of what they have for um, you know, as as a as a tithe of sorts so anyways i yeah i'm, I'm more along the lines of, of you as well um when it comes comes to that um the the, the point is that we're going to be givers um in some way you just you just can't help but to be a giver um right. when when the gospel has gotten a hold of your heart well so like i i Cindy didn't say it quite this way but as i listened to her message that like uh, i kind of saw three things that she pointed to yeah. at least yeah um the biggest one being that God's a gift giver. Yeah. And so gener- extravagant generosity is just an invitation to be like God. Yeah. And so I thought in the sense of if you want to grow generosity in your heart, look up. Yeah. Look at God, see what he's like. One that I had not thought about that I thought was so insightful from her was uh, this idea of looking back. Mm. And she made the point of, oh, you enjoy that pew you're sitting in? <laughs> oh, it, like the, the air conditioning yeah. was blowing on you right now? Yeah. yeah. Somebody that came before you probably paid for that. That's right. Um, and That's so this right. idea of looking back and realizing that, again, in, especially in these longstanding churches, mm. like we are enjoying the fruits of other people's generosity. Yeah. And that can be a way of inspiring us to, to be generous is acknowledging, man, that all the goodness that I've got really came from somebody else responding to God and being willing to be generous with what they have. Yeah. Um, and then I love that she's, she pointed us forward too to look mm. forward and say, hey, let's, let's set that next generation up for success just as, yeah. as the generation that came before set us up. Let's, let's give radically now so that they can do some things that we couldn't imagine doing because we, yeah. we set them up uh, to do it. That's so great. Look up, look back, look forward. I, I, mm. I, I don't know. Uh, I just really appreciated that she kind of framed those three things out for me. Um, and next time I think about trying to grow your generosity, that'll her, her, a lot of her ideas will stick with me. I think she's been very helpful in that area and at the church. So I'm, I'm certainly thankful for, uh, her ability to talk about um, giving in in such a um, it's 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 a non threatening um, 
sort of tone, you know, and, and she, mm-hmm. and she walks the walk. I mean, she's, she's right there with the congregation doing everything that she asks them to do. And, and people see that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, well, it's funny, uh, as I was looking at and listening to her, I'm like, Oh wow, these messages don't, you know, they're not the same, but they do absolutely like overlap and coincide. So nice. Abundance uh, we started Exodus Egypt. one today. Yes. And this was your first, yeah, I'm eating chips he's got everyone. Doritos. Like, if you hear crunching, my st- I, I missed breakfast. My stomach is growling <laughs> looking at that. But, um, as we got into uh, Exodus this week, I had titled the message Abundance in Egypt. Mm. Um, and so it was a lot of fun. And I, I kind of started just by framing the book of Exodus. And I've been compelled uh, by a number of scholars um, who have kind of pointed out there's these parallels between God's work with Moses and God's work with Israel. And so the outline for the book that I drew up really centers on God kind of drawing Moses to himself. And so yeah. he'll draw him out of the waters. Uh, uh, he'll, uh, and we know that story of Moses being rescued out of the waters by uh, Pharaoh's daughter. Oh, uh, but yeah. then I talk about him being drawn through the wilderness. And so there's that season that he goes out. Um, as a, a shepherd after he, he murders the Egyptian and kind of flees out there. Uh, but it's it's during that season uh, that he gets a wife, meets Jethro, mm. and I think God begins a work in his life. But then God draws him in, and it's on the burning bush, and that's on a mountain. Yeah, And wow. so he's he God draws Moses to himself by drawing him out, drawing him through, drawing mm. him in, and that's pictured by Waters Wilderness Mountain. Well, that exact pattern exists in the life of Israel. Yeah. So he draws them out of Egypt, again, ultimately uh, with the uh, waters at the end through the, the Red Sea. Mm. Uh, we don't really talk about this part of Exodus much, but 16, 17, 18, he, he draws them through the wilderness. And there's some great stories about, um, I like to say that once God got Israel out of Egypt, he had to get Egypt out of the Israelites. Yeah, that's a good one. So there's some things that happen there in the wilderness. Mm. And then uh, you get the covenant and the giving of the tabernacle mm. um, at Mount Sinai um, in 19 through 40. So we kind of set that up, and I'm really excited to explore more of that pattern of God. This just this idea of God drawing mm. people to himself in a relationship and covenant, which yeah. I think is going to be kind of a big framework. Uh, but as we yeah. got into Exodus 1 itself, uh, there's so much Genesis imagery. Mm. So you got Genesis, there being, it, it'll talk, the f- opening paragraph's kind of weird because it's just like a list of people, but they're being fruitful and multiplying and filling the land. And it's all language from uh, Genesis 1. And so you get this idea of God is making a little Eden paradise right here in Egypt. Um, and a lot of that was because of his promise to Abraham. Right? He said, I'll make you into a great nation, which we're seeing that. But in that promise, God also said to Abraham, I'll bless the nations through you. Yeah. And with the uh, the previous, you know, Pharaoh and Joseph had that kind of relationship. That Pharaoh saw that Joseph had the hand of God and the spirit of God on him. Mm. He embraced it and blessing overflowed from Joseph to That's the good. Egyptians. And they're saved through the famine and all that stuff. Yeah. And what happens is there's a Pharaoh that loses sight of that, loses sight that God is a God of abundance and that when he's blessing, whether it be Joseph or Israel as a whole people, yeah. that, that the whole design of that, yeah. according to the the covenant with Abraham, right. is that it would be a blessing to everybody <laughs> yeah, else. Yeah, right, right. And so he's, instead of seeing that and embracing uh, it like the Pharaoh that came before him, he sees that and he's threatened by it. Sure. 
And so you get in the passage, he just, he falls into Mm. this this kind of scarcity mindset. Yes. And so my big idea was like, if you ever find yourself uh, experiencing that uh, in your own heart, like you got to remember that God is a God of abundance and not in some weird prosperity way. It's just, we serve the creator of the heavens and earth. Yep. He makes something out of nothing. Yep. He can multiply fish and loaves, right? right? This is the God that we serve. Right. Um, and so throughout the message, I kind of uh, contrasted mm. uh, the zero, this idea of the scarcity and abundance mindset. Yep. And the first thing we looked at was uh, zero sum versus mm. multiplication. Mm. And so if you have a zero, with Pharaoh, right, he saw that they were getting strong, and that meant that, that is, uh, Egypt was going to lose. Yeah, right. Um, rather than that be like, oh, now they're going to multiply and we're going to have more abundance yeah. in, in Egypt. Um, he's like, uh oh, they're going to mm. side with our enemies. Yeah. And so just that idea of if you win, then I lose right. that zero sum mentality. Yep. Is a, it's a sign that we, we don't believe God is a sure. God of abundance. Uh, second thing mm. I kind of pointed out was the fear and mistrust. So that was the whole, like he invented scenarios like mm-hmm. if war breaks out, <laughs> Mm. They'll be the one that sides with our enemies. Yeah, yeah. And so he kind of goes on. Mm. Uh, and so there's just this fear and, and mis, mistrust. Mm. And uh, rather than trusting the relationship that's existed and worked out well for everybody up to this point. Um, and that leads him to go on the offensive and, and hoard and oppress that people and, and start. He built store cities, which I think is kind of interesting that you've got this people that you're probably. Um, overworking, underfeeding, mm-hmm. all while you're building a store cities for yourself. And so there's this oppression and this hoarding that happens. Yeah. Um, and then uh, you'll start to see that as Israel continues to multiply, because God mm-hmm. blesses them, and the, it says the more Pharaoh oppressed them, the the more they multiplied and spread. Wow. So you couldn't stop yeah. God's blessing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the people, it says that they have a dread. And it's interesting. I would, I would actually go with disgust or hate as maybe the translation there because it's it's only used one other time up to this point in Scripture. And it's when um, I think Rebecca, uh, her attitude towards her Hittite daughter-in-laws. Oh, wow. Okay. So there's yep. a, it's almost like this disgust hatred, but it also has this kind of racial, ethnic undertones to it. Sure. And so in order to keep treating Israel like slaves and like beasts and like animals, they had to kind of adopt this posture of believing that they're less than human. Mm -hmm. And so we kind of contrasted that with really having a care and empathy and always seeing people as uh, image bearers. So so that's kind of what we looked at was just understanding Mm -hmm. that God is a God of abundance. And why is that reminder, do you think, so important to us to, again, just stare at the character and nature of our God yeah. as we to overcome a scarcity mindset, which is so prominent. It is in the world that we live in, right. and always has been. Yes, you're right. Yeah, that's um, <laughs> we we are able to be people of forgiveness and grace because the supply that we get of forgiveness and grace from Jesus is, is not based on scarcity. And so it's such a big part of the gospel and it plays out as we've seen throughout human history, where that is the basis of a lot of, if not most of human conflict is a fear of scarcity over resources. Mm -hmm. 
mm. on a planet that God created and filled it with good things and, and, and the fruits of the earth. And so if we can live out of this understanding that more for someone else doesn't have to mean less for me, mm. then then we're living in a mindset that is, is Christ-like because if if I can celebrate the abundance of other people, um, there's it's it's sort of that concept that when God called Abram to go and he said, I will bless those who bless you, um, I think that's worked into the the nature of of God's interactions with, with human mm-hmm. beings, that people who realize they're blessed by God and then they let God bless others through them. It's, it's like, it's like, it's like harvesting. It's, it's the, it's the cycle of, you know, and it's not karma um, there, but in scripture you talk about the planting of seeds and the harvesting of those seeds. And so what we, if, if we plant um, generosity and, and seeds of goodness, then we're going to reap the benefits of that. But if we plant seeds of scarcity and hatred, then what's going to pop up is, is war and, and violence and, and division. Mm. So yeah, you're, you're hitting on such a huge theme in the gospel. And, and I love, you know, that we can see this all throughout. I mean, think about later on with the prophets, when the prophets mm-hmm. come and they are talking about Israel. And so Israel then becomes what Egypt was. And yeah. they live in that same mindset of scarcity over God's abundance. And so, yeah, we see it. And then in, as America, I mean, <laughs> yeah, you know, as we have, as America's growing and, and we're seeing new people coming, uh, new people that are from different um, ethnicities. I remember moving to Texas for the first time and walking around in some parts and realizing for the first time in my life, I was a minority. And that mm. was a weird feel. And at first, I'll be honest, yeah. it was a little unnerving. It was yeah. a little unnerving. And then as I got to know my neighbors mm. down there in that part of Texas and realized, man, this is these are some good, these are some awesome people. One, I love the food. Uh, but two, like, you know, just the way, like I was able to and still am as I see uh, just the Hispanic culture. There's so much to admire about the Hispanic culture and their hard work and their love of family, you know? Like some of that stuff, like I wish our my European brothers and sisters, I wish we would kind of adopt some of those because we our, our ancestors lived more like that in years past. We've just kind of, just kind of gotten away from it. But anyways, but, but yeah, you're hitting on some some really powerful things there. And <laughs> love me some tacos. <laughs> <laughs> But, and, it, and I think that's it's so true that we got we live there, and it's like reminding ourselves that that's the God that we serve. Like yeah. you said, whether it's through, yeah, whether we're talking about physical resources, whether we're talking yeah. about grace, right? Um, it's it flows out of Him. Yeah. And I, I I was thinking about that in the garden. It's that the the lie of the enemy was that the God is holding out on you. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that's the tough truth is that mm. sometimes God doesn't give us everything. Sure, but it's not because He's like there's a lack, right? And that He's holding out. It's because it's not good for us. Yeah, and that can be very hard to trust as well. Is that <laughs> yeah, when, that's when, true. Um, it's not because of a lack of abundance. Mm. It's it's because He knows that sometimes mm. limits are good. That's good. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oof. Ooh, that'll preach right there. Woo. Uh, sometimes as limits I eat are my good. Doritos. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's so good. Yeah. 
So yeah, you had mentioned it. We, we do fall into this. And yeah. like you said, the people, one, you see it in the world yeah. when people rebel against God yeah. in places like Babylon or Egypt. Mm. Uh, but like you said, the people of God in Israel were able to, to, to succumb to that. The prophets have to talk about that. Yeah. And I would imagine that that's a warning to us as, as churches too, mm. uh, that we can too fall prey to this mindset. And yeah. so I'm kind of curious, how do you think the scarcity mindset and forgetting that God is a God of abundance manifests itself in the average mm, local church. Yeah. Um, at least in our context. Yeah, absolutely. I think sometimes it's seen in the budgets. Uh, churches, you know, will... And, and there, there's there's a good... We're putting ours together right now. That's so right. Like, nice. That's not going to be convicting at all. <laughs> there you go. I mean, there's something to be... I mean, we, we need to be wise with, with the money that we get from God's people. Um, I've heard stories of churches that sat on large chunks of money um, mm. out of the fear that someday we're going to need this money. And then instead of using a portion of that for ministry and, and outreach, the church just died and sat on a bunch of money that then ended up closing. And that money was used as seed and gift money for other churches. So that's one area. I think that's right. Yeah, you're right. I mean, and so um, that's a very real scenario that's happening um, in, especially as smaller churches sure. uh, are, are dying out, uh, which is really sad, but it's also part of the life cycle and it needs to happen, makes room for, for new growth. But um, you know, another thing could be uh, as like a new church opens up. So I guess, yeah, that leads into you have a new church plant. And I remember, Growing up in a church uh, where we had one of one of the former members, former pastors, left for a few years and then came back and started a church, and it started a big uh, rivalry between that church, actually mm-hmm. between three or four different churches, because as the new pastor came in, he didn't come in and bring his own people and get his own people. Uh, basically, people from those other churches flocked to that new church, you know. And so there's mm-hmm. that sense where pastors, especially, it's so easy to to live in that scarcity mindset, you know, because mm-hmm. our churches, if you're not a mega church, you know how precious people are and mm-hmm. people who are serving and active, and then to see them go away to another congregation, that's hard, that's difficult. And so, um, in, in some way, you know, one of the things that I've had to work through in my ministry is when people come in and I see how valuable and how good they are, oftentimes I do, my greatest fear is, are they going to stick around? And, Mm. you know, and, and so instead of just, I'm just going to get to know them and love them for, for who they are. Um, my cats, (laughs) he just bit bit me on the arm. Uh, (laughs) So, yeah, I mean, you know, whether it, whether it's, um, and this is more a thing of the past where churches were more separated and pastors yeah. didn't do, didn't work together because they saw each other as competition. And I think that's becoming, as a new generation is rising up, that's less and less the case. And we're realizing we need to have, um, friendships with our fellow pastor colleagues. Yeah, it's funny. And it's interesting that as the world grows hostile, maybe towards the gospel or to churches, yeah. um, that that actually again almost forces that something that should have been true the whole time. Yeah, yeah uh, that's true. That again, the appearance of um, maybe what wasn't a good abundance that we abused it by yeah. letting that seed disunity. Uh, yeah. um, and we've actually like the Lord says, you know what? If you're not going to use mm. 
uh, that blessing well, then yep. what I'm going to do is, is, is take it, it away down. to get mm-hmm. you to reorient yourselves. Um, yeah. And, yeah and, and so those, like, I even look at that as going, okay, yep. again, maybe culturally the gospel is less um, acceptable as like a, a, a cultural norm. Sure. Um, but that isn't necessarily all bad. It's yep. like, I, I do see fruit from that. And part of that might be because we wouldn't always use mm. the, the fruitfulness and the blessing of God um, the way we ought to have anyway, um, that maybe we did hoard it for ourselves or, again, slipped into going, like, let when the church turns into a competition, it's a problem. Yeah, you're right. Uh, mm-hmm. And that's, the, that's why I like right. the, the idea of multiplying. It's like if God takes people and puts them in another place to yeah. make churches healthy, grow, that are going to multiply, it's like, yeah. okay, the kingdom wins. That's and so it. i got to remember that I'm one stock yes. of a great field that God is building. Absolutely. Um, yeah. That's and that me- a lot of times that means seed and stuff being pulled off of, yeah. uh, out of our churches to, to do great things. And that's, that's a yeah. win sure. in the long run. So that's yeah, good. I think that's, that's good though. Like when we think of our, our churches as, um, it, their own little kingdoms mm. rather than a part of the kingdom. Sure. <laughs> we probably do fall. We, that's, that's a sign. Ah, that's, we're, yeah. We're yeah. slipped into that mindset. I hear you. That's good. Do Thanks you have, an, do you have uh, any other thoughts on that one? Uh, how that manifests itself in the local church? How have you seen that? I mean, I, so I think sometimes we, uh, and again, I think Cindy was reminding me of this too, is we can use, and like you said, good stewardship. Yeah, sure. As uh, uh, <laughs> like we we're, we're stingy is what we are. Yeah, um, and we don't actually trust God at all, and, sure. and we'll we'll yeah. hide behind Bible verses that do encourage saving or good uh, stewardship. Yeah. Um, and again, those aren't unbiblical concepts, sure. but I think we can use them as a mask for what is really just a mm. lack of trust for God and yeah. a, a wanting to hoard to ourselves. And so I, like it. I think, I think that's one of the ways we do it is, um, use biblical principles in theory mm. as a veneer for what is really just a stingy heart sometimes. Ooh, Okay. That'll preach. Can I say that? You can, I, yeah. I, well, that one I just say out of conviction. <laughs> I was going to say. <laughs> yeah. I'm sharing my conviction with yes, everyone else. So. Yes. No, that's that's good. I had to chew on it. You get to, too. There you go. <laughs> At least you didn't regurgitate it and give it to us. So that's good. That's right. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I, mean, I, think, I think you hit some good ones. And then that other one was the little thought that I had. had so. That's awesome. Um, but anyway, it's like you said, we can we can it. be extravagantly generous because God yeah. is a God of abundance. That's right. That's right. That. I mean, that's... Riot Park and Harvest working together again. I love it. That's that's fantastic, and I think that's I think if, I think just that mental shift to mm. to um, to live and understand God. If He's called us to to ministry in any way, He's gonna. If we're faithful to Him and we're preaching the gospel, we not, we're, we may not become a, a mega church, but we're gonna have the tools to accomplish our specific. You know, because every church has a purpose i mean and if it'll lean into it Mm. and it doesn't have to be to look like the church down the road but to say what is this group of people specifically called to you know what is this group how can this group of people make a difference in our community that then accentuates what the church down the street is doing you know amen and um just requires a mind shift there amen brother
Awesome. Well, brother, you got any final thoughts uh, for us this week? Or I'm just going to say go Chiefs. And go Chiefs. Um, yeah, we got fall weather coming in. I mean, today was cool outside. Are you guys feeling that cool breeze? Uh, today's a little warmer, but oh, it's okay. like the next uh-huh. few days it just starts oh, dropping. Good. Okay. And so Very nice. Um, we got a really beautiful storm last night. I mean, like okay. lightning and I mean, just rain. And so yeah. it's, it's funny. It's this week. It'll start to really shift. I think. Nice. That's awesome. So very good. Well, fantastic. Well, before Simba, yeah. you know, gets you, we'll say beware the bears <laughs> yeah. and the cat. And this the, week. that's right. Beware the cat and grace and peace out.